Hello, everyone. Thanks for checking out Employment Notebook here on localjobnetwork.com radio, your source for experienced guests and detailed knowledge on all things employment related. I'm your host, Tim Muma. Now, communication is clearly one of the most important areas within the workplace, and yet it seems like it annually finds its way to the top of the list that mention, well, areas that companies are looking for the most improvement in. Our guest today hopes to provide that solution. Her name is Renee Charney, president and founder of Charney Coaching and Consulting, where she uses her more than 25 years of experience in coaching, leadership, and organizational development. And today we're going to discuss mutual relationship mapping as a path to better communication. Renee, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm great. Thank you, Tim. Well, it's an interesting subject. Uh, You sent me some information to look over, but why don't we give the listeners a quick rundown of what mutual relationship mapping is all about? I'd be happy to. And I'm so glad that you brought up the fact that it tends to show up at the top of the list on many surveys. In fact, if you look at the Society of HR Management surveys in the last 10 years, you'll see communication appears time and time again as the top three problems. Um, And, you know, despite the endless stream of silver bullet approaches and the the problems still persist. So we we believe that there's a very good reason for this. And it's often not the problem, but only a symptom. That Hmm. communication is really a symptom to the problem. And we can probably all agree that, you know, treating symptoms does not always solve underlying issues. Right. Over the last few years or several years, we've been using a model, uh, mutual relationship mapping, we developed, and it's aimed at improving cooperation, accountability, empowerment across individuals and functions. And not surprisingly, when we use this particular model in our team approaches, it approves all of these areas, but generalized ad hoc feedback and responses from our customers is that communication also is improved. Sure. Let me tell you a little bit about it. It's um, mutual relationship mapping, or MRM as we, we like to call it. It's based on a basic principle that we see in organizations, in many of our customers' organizations. Everyone, without exception, is in some way a customer of one or more others in that organization. And everyone, without exception, is also in some way a supplier mm-hmm. to one or more others in, in that organization. And so the model suggests that if you, are, if you can identify and surface all of those customer wants and the supplier gives, so customers wants, suppliers give, and then effectively facilitate conversation, negotiation, agreements, and accountability around those gives and wants, if you will, then those organizations will work more efficiently, effectively, productively, and the most important ingredient, more relationally. So then they start to communicate better. Sure. And that does sound fascinating, the idea of creating this basically supply and demand within your own organization. And we're talking about the idea, of course, of better communication. What are some of the main goals in doing this? Are you alleviating some sort of problem by doing it this way? Or what do you really see as being sort of the fix? As you talked about, communication is more of a symptom of what the actual problems might be. Often what we see in our organizations when we work, and we're talking about cross-functional teams that that really depend on each other to get work done, often they get entrenched and very attached to habits of how they work together Mm. or don't work 
together, right? We've heard of the siloed organizations or organizations where, where folks have been working for so many years and they really get entrenched in how they do things. And so by bringing these cross-functional teams together and revealing for each other what is it that I supply for you or I give to you and what is it that I want from, from you, Okay, so having that conversation back and forth, and we have a whole activity that we build around it. It's colorful, it's up and moving, it's lots of flip charts on the, on the walls. It's really surfacing those things that are everyday functions or everyday tasks that happen in these cross-functional teams. And by mapping it on the walls, on these flip charts, and so there's color, colorful post-it notes that we use. And it's really connecting with adult learning theory, too, because people sure. are either writing and they're talking, they're up and moving. So there's lots of kinesthetic things that are happening. It becomes this wide across-the-wall map of all of these tasks that happen across these teams. And the conversations start happening where as they start matching Okay, so if I'm the customer and I want something from you and you're the supplier and you're giving something to me, is there a match of what I want and what you're given, right? So all of those gives. And so up on the flip charts, what happens is the beauty and the awareness, the ahas that really come out are the gaps or what we like to call the orphans. So if things are not matching, so what I'm giving you or what you're supplying me doesn't have a match. These are called orphans. And what the real effectiveness <laughs> happens, and it's, it's really great to see these teams as they're working together saying, oh, my gosh, I've been providing you this report for years, or I've been providing this piece of information for you for years, and you really don't need it. It helps with time management. It helps with understanding and clarity of roles and responsibilities. All of these things start to surface that have been buried in their roles or in their silos. Well, and you did answer one of my questions there is if we're actually documenting, you know, who fits in where, what need fits the supply and, and so on and so forth. Can you break it down even further of how this might look in terms of what is determined to be a, a need or a want that a customer would have and how is somebody supplying that solution, if you will? Can you give us a little bit specific of an example? One of our customers is a global engineering firm that we worked in. And if you think about the functions in an engineering firm, uh, there's the supply chain, there's logistics, there's manufacturing. So all of these people come together and are you know, working together to deliver to their customers. Before we even start the process, we make sure that there's some trust building that happens in the room. There's ground rules that are set. And the ground rules are really around, this is not a, an attack or an identification of personal task or personal people, the, the people in the room, it's about really focusing on the task. Right. So I, as a supply chain person, will write down, you know, here are all the things that I will, you know, deliver to somebody across the room. And I will put those things on those flip charts that have those uh, logistics and manufacturing and everything else across the room. And everybody else does the same. So there are all of these functions and tasks that are mapped on these flip charts. And then each function goes up and says, okay, so what is it that I want from the other? So another color sticky note or, or post-it is used to write those tasks. And so these mappings happen. So you go up there and you say, okay, I need this. Is there somebody actually delivering this for me? Hmm. Or I deliver this for someone else. 
does somebody actually want it? And we actually, it's, it's physical. They put the post-it notes on top of each task right. until it, it's really narrowed down. The ones that are left hanging out, again, are called the orphans. Mm-hmm. And that's where the conversation really happens. Okay, so what's happening here? Why are we delivering this? Or why do you need this information? And who can deliver it for you? It really opens up, again, the, the role clarity and the understanding of how these groups work together. And I'm sure plenty of people listening know exactly what you're talking about with these conversations that haven't happened or for whatever reason, there's been that disconnect. And you talk about gaps in this case as well. When you are trying to start putting this together, how do you manipulate who's in the room or how this works? Because you might have multiple teams and maybe even within the team, they're trying to figure out what their roles are. Is there sort of a, an actual hierarchy of how this works from top to bottom or bottom to top? Often this will be an activity which happens to be, it could be up to a full day, certainly uh, at least a half day or a little bit more. Often when we do this activity, it's matched with a team building. So it could be a multiple day. It could be like a two-day team building type of engagement. Okay. So the first day, there's a lot of trust building that's, that's built into um, making sure that everybody is comfortable with each other, understands the objectives of why they're here. And then Often what happens in that trust building that we do is, you know, conversations about getting to know each other in ways that they've never actually had the opportunity to do. Mm -hmm. So that trust building is built on that first day. And and hopefully between that first day and second day, and this is just one example of how we do it or how we uh, facilitate this, there's another bonding dinner or something that happens at night. So there's really more trust building that happens. So by the time they come in the second day, they're ready for the hard work, having those conversations that haven't happened in the years past. So this is usually set up with the upper management or the, the head of the company or wherever we're working that really wants to have this clarity happen. So they set it up, they announce it, they sponsor it, they support it, and everybody comes together. Now, having said that, that I often will set up trust building activities the day before, I've also done it where Teams are brought together in one um, higher education organization, a university that we worked in. They brought us together for that one day for the purposes of this activity. And so there was an assumption that there was trust already built, but there was some contention between the roles. Mm -hmm. Just by going through this activity of the mutual relationship mapping, trust was built because they started having uh, conversations that they had never had before. Sure. They were all spread out in different buildings. They were in different locations. And so just by going through the exercise, trust was built. My guess is some people listening are, of course, going to have their questions and their doubts. And you mentioned the idea of ground rules earlier. Is there ever any concern that there's some sort of harmful competition that happens with the whole customer and supplier idea or that strange or different alliances are formed in any way? Do you see some of those possible pratfalls that individuals listening might think, you know, these could come up if you try to handle it this way? Sometimes they do. And that's the role of me as a coach and certainly for the people in the room to be open to those conversations. And I'll check in with them. I'll say, okay, so let's talk about this. Right. What's going on here? And, you know, depending on the level of, again, the trust in the room and the openness, and this is why we, I, I really prefer to do that work the day before, these conversations start to emerge. And, you know, I make sure that at the very beginning, we talk about creating a safe environment to have these conversations, the fact that this is 
for the sake of working well together and relationship building and, and moving forward for the business and, and getting work done together. So certainly contention sometimes comes up, you know, ownership, um, as we know, as we've heard, knowledge is power. Sometimes knowledge released can be a, a threat to that power. We talk about that. We talk about, you know, for the sake of what are we having these conversations? You know, there's a great quote that Susan Scott says in her book, Fierce Conversations. And she says, the conversation is the relationship. And so through these conversations, even when they're difficult conversations, it's still building relationship. It's understanding. It's, it's gaining clarity. It's being able to move forward, that generative type of relationship building moving forward. Uh, it's very well put, and I think a way that people can relate this to their own circumstances, positive or negative, of course. And part of this, I was curious if you had any advice to the employers out there. Is there a way to find out if you are struggling in this area? Of course, they're going to have their own thoughts and feelings, but is there anything that they could walk through as an initial step before thinking, hey, maybe this is something we should do? Yes. You know, we live in a complex world, and our environments, our organizational environments, are increasingly complex, as we can probably all agree to. If things are slowing down, hmm. if you notice that more mistakes are being made, not to say that mistakes are bad, mistakes really open up for learning, but more things are slowing down at a very slow pace, things are not being delivered, check in to see how these conversations are happening across the halls. Are everybody, is everybody sitting in their cubicles or their offices and not communicating? Are people up and moving and gathering together or is a lot being communicated on email and assumptions are being built around what's being said or what's being expected between each other? Sure. So really keep a keen eye on you know, what might be slowing down the process. It's not just about a lack of information. It could be about people not taking the time to have the conversations around you know, how they can mutually map their relationships together. Renee, I definitely have enjoyed the conversation and learning more about this. Uh, we are getting up against the clock, so I wanted to give you the floor at the end. Any last pieces of advice or information you'd want to throw out there regarding communication or mutual relationship mapping in general, something to leave our listeners with from our conversation? Yes, thank you, Tim. I would um, suggest that if anybody wants to explore this type of engagement or this model and that they do it, I always recommend and we always recommend that it's not a one and done, that you come back to it maybe the following year or in six months and see if anything has changed. And we have fast-paced change in our organizations and our businesses. The relationships are going to change. So definitely keep it fresh and revisit it. Renee, thanks again for coming on the show. We do appreciate the insight. Thank you. Once again, that is Renee Charney, president and founder of Charney Coaching and Consulting. We've been talking about mutual relationship mapping and its effects, especially on communication. And if you'd like to get in touch with us, if you have feedback on this show or any others, send us an email to ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com. If you're on Twitter, you can find us there as well. At the LJN is where you can connect with us there. For everyone here at LJN Radio, I'm your host, Tim Yuma. We'll talk to you later. <laughs>